Sprinting towards Rel 8.2. Fedora Core OS in the wild? IBM makes money. Surprise. The cancer answer is inside the house. Saudi wins the attribution lottery. Microsoft opens apps on one screen. On Android. Ooh. Microsoft makes an oops. Phishing and user awareness are still a thing. Smartphone voting is dumb, and we're talking about hosting tonight on the Iron Sysadmin Podcast, episode 73. Welcome to the show, folks. I hope you enjoy our live stream. It took us quite a bit to get here, simply because Jason's computer is stupid. Or his browser is stupid? I don't know. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> you and your, you and you, you, you youngins and your fancy HTML5 garbage. Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to do live streams again. I wanted to do it easily. Back in my day... Zoom this, was just, just fine. So I'm going to say that this was easy for me. It just wasn't easy for you. But technology is never easy for you when it comes to plugging in that stupid microphone. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. It's just it's, you. It's USB. I'm not doing anything just fancy. You. It's just you. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show, folks. And I just realized that in all the, uh, the rush to get the show ready, I'm still wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt. Not one of my cool techie shirts or an Iron Sysadmin shirt or uh, anything. So, Mickey Mouse it is tonight. Okay. Well, you lose your geek cred. Yep. <clears throat> I don't know. Some, off, some, some, geeks, some geeks like the mouse. I'm just saying. So, anyway. Um, right. Welcome to the show. I'm joined, as you may have noticed, by Jason and no other co-hosts. We don't have any guests tonight. We're just going to do it like we used to. Back in the day. Back in Old the school. day. Except we're doing with, it live. Except with better audio quality and less hiccups. And what where did you go? <laughs> Why did you Oops. drop out of the stream? What did you do? I pushed a button and it disappeared. I don't Why know did you on. push the button? <laughs> it's, it's there. <laughs> it's gonna be a train wreck tonight, folks. It's that kind of night. <laughs> I've only just started drinking. <laughs> All right, so tonight we're rehashing a topic we've kind of covered in the past, and this is, so uh, last night I was at a Red Hat users group, um, just as part of working at Red Hat, I uh, was at the office in the or in uh, New York yesterday, and the user group meets once a month, and we happen to be there. Uh, and there was a guy who presented on this like awesome super micro machine that he built, um, and yes, someone did ask him if he was worried about those... Uh, the, the grain of rice mini miniature computer that was spying on all of his data. And everybody laughed. Remember Supermicro? Uh, you remember that? Yes, yes. The, um, yeah. Yeah, that wonderful yeah. article. Right. Yep, right. That the one. thing that was never proven and no one ever actually had any proof to show what was going on. Anyway, uh, the the point is he he was running this thing. It was a pretty, pretty massive machine. Um, he had recently purchased it... Um, it's an AMD, what do they call it, Epic processor? 
It's like a new new CPU from AMD, which is apparently not affected by any of these side channel attacks, and that was the reason that he was replacing his machine. It was because uh, um, he had this beefy Xeon machine that lost like 40% of its resources due to the yeah. side channel mitigations. And he was very yep. disappointed by that. And the reason he runs this thing is not because he's running some business or because he's you know making a bunch of money off of it. He hosts a ton of services for him and his family, like to the tune of 141 VMs. Um, so this is a pretty beefy machine, if you could guess. It had like half a terabyte of memory and 64 cores, if I remember correctly. Um, big machine, and he runs it in a colo. Um, so it got me thinking about... You know, I used to host all my stuff here at the here at the house, and I know you still host your stuff at home, right? You haven't moved yep, it off to it's right there. It's right over there. Is that what's making the noise in the mic? Probably. <laughs> Which, by the way, is gone now since you switched to Chrome. <laughs> I hate Chrome. <laughs> so I don't know what you were doing in Firefox, but all of a sudden it's better. <laughs> anyway, um, so it got me thinking, um, sort of rehashing uh, as I've talked about on the show. Um, I used to run everything out of my house, and slowly but surely over the last year, I've tried to sort of simplify some of that so that I don't have as much to deal with here at home when I'm off the clock. Um, but seeing his talk sort of reminded me how much I really did enjoy running all those services. So I thought we would just talk tonight about the differences between self-hosting, cloud hosting, and colo hosting. Uh, and when I say cloud hosting, I'm going to talk a little bit about both like infrastructure as a, as a service style hosting, like EC2 or DigitalOcean, and like uh, application hosting, like software as a service. So um, I figure we'll just chat about these things. I got a couple points laid out. Uh, you and I both have a bunch of a bunch of experience in all of these, and we'll just kind of go from there. Sound good? Okay, sounds good. good. All right. So first bullet point I got here is control. Because this is really one of the main reasons why you would, or one of the, the main criteria as to how you would choose where and how you want to host your services, right? So if you're hosting out of your basement, you have 100% full control over every little piece of that of that thing you're running, all the way until it hits your cable modem or whatever it is you use to get to the internet. Yeah, I was going to say, right up till you hit that network yes. jack, yes. And, and then you're depending on where you are, your control, but well, you're not going to have any control over your ISP, but uh, depending on where you are, that could be good or bad. Right. So that's, that's sort of one of the points, right? Um, most ISPs on residential service will flat out not allow you to run services on their, on your internet connection. Some will, most of them block it. Uh, most of them flat out put you behind NAT or something that people can't reach you, right? Yep. So, um, you have to consider that if you're going to host from home. You either need to do things to work around the things they have put in place to safeguard you <laughs> from people accessing your machines, which, by the way, is kind of a valid reason for why they do this kind of stuff. They don't, they don't want people to reach their end-user machines because that's how things like worms propagate, right? So I'm, I'm cool with that right up to the point where you have a user who says, hey... I'm not dumb. I know what right. I'm doing. Please open that. And they say no. They say no. Right. Then I've got a problem. And they say no because either they don't, they they claim that, you know, well, they don't know if you're going to do that. Or it's really more like because they sell a separate level of internet service that allows yeah. you to do that. 
Yeah. Now, some companies like, say, Verizon DSL, at least at the time when I looked at it, flat out didn't offer hosting service or a service that you can host from your house. Um, right. Their commercial service was basically a different level of service. It was a different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Service level agreement, right? Where you get faster support and you get different bandwidth packages, but it's not meant for hosting. Uh, where a lot of cable providers usually have a a hosting solution where you can open up ports to the world and people can access your stuff. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, you get about as much control as you could expect. Because even if you're in a data center, right, once once you hit the Internet, uh, you are really at the, the mercy of your Internet service provider, right? Um, obviously, high-dollar commercial service is different if you're doing, like, backbone to some core provider or whatever. Uh, so what if you decide to go to a colo? Um, really, hosting at home and hosting in a colo are very similar from a control level, with the exception of the fact that your machine that you have most control over is physically not located near you. It's in some data center somewhere, which you may or may not be able to actually walk into. So the level of control you have is scaled back just a tad because either you have to drive somewhere and unlock a cabinet and you know go in and deal with your hardware, or you have to call them up and they have a supposedly intelligent person go in and deal with your machine. Like I have to go hit the power button or the reset button or whatever. So and, and, and Colo is is uh, not cheap anymore. No, this guy claimed he was getting Colo for one hundred fifty dollars a month, which seemed low to me. One server. Yeah, one machine. It was to you. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, to me, that's expensive. Uh, Is it? You know. When I looked at Colo for the web host that we ran, now we were looking at more than just a two U slot. It was like eight U or something. We we're looking at like four grand. Yeah, which was a no go, complete non-starter. We couldn't we couldn't afford that from for a small business. So, um, infrastructure as a service, you lose control of the hardware like the actual physical hardware, but you still have full control over your VMs or mostly full control over your VMs. You can start and stop them. You can get a console. You can do all kinds of craziness. Uh, sometimes you can even fiddle with hardware, though most of the time, you know, like virtual hardware, I mean, though most of the time they mask that away from you because they don't really want you to be doing that. Uh, right. But you still get full control of the operating system inside of your VMs, which is, you know, maybe that's, I'd say for a lot of use cases, that's actually all you really need. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, agreed. And then there's software as a service. And when I say software as a service, if you're unfamiliar with these terms, I don't know how you couldn't be at this point, but uh, I'm sure there's some viewers that maybe aren't uh, <laughs> aren't familiar with it. Software as a service is things like Gmail and Google Drive and, uh, what, Office 365. These are things yeah. where you pay a monthly subscription fee to use an application. That application might do something like run one run WordPress for you or run a word processor for you, right? There's any number of things. Um, hosting your WordPress site on, what is it, WordPress.com that does this, that's software as a service because you have no direct access to the shell. Right. Um, and as you'd expect, you get little to no control over that. You get control over the application in some cases, uh, but you'd like... Google Docs, you get for control, example? You get control over the running application. Right. So Google Docs, for example, you get almost no control. What, what Google provides you is a word processor that you can do things in. You can't go configure that word processor. You can't change anything about it. You can't change how it's hosted or run. Uh, where it's something like, say, WordPress, like my other example, you get full control over configuring that website, 
But beyond that, beyond what, what, what WordPress lets you change, nothing. You can't touch it. So you still have some control depending on the application. Uh, but you don't get control to the level that you would if you had shell access or if you ran the thing in your basement. Right. So the next point I got here is convenience. <clears throat> and this is kind of subjective, right? You have to think about what angle you're looking at. Um, so hosting in your house, convenience, uh, from my perspective, is convenience of access. Like, can I walk in and see the thing and, and touch it and use it? Uh, but it's not convenient for much of the other things that you're going to have to, the, all, the, the care and feeding and whatnot. You have to power it. You have to cool it. It's going to be making noise. Um, just in general, it's kind of an inconvenience. You agree? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, especially when you have, like, power outages or internet right. outages, that sort of thing. Like, it, it, you, you're you sort of at the mercy of, of uh, the upstream providers in those cases, but it's your, your own damn fault. Sure. Um, but... If something goes down, and we'll touch this a little more in a bit, but if something goes down, you're pretty much dependent on yourself, and that's pretty inconvenient. It's very convenient to say, like, oh, Google Docs is down. That's Google's problem. I'll just come back in half an hour. You know well, what I, mean? I mean, you don't have to do anything, <laughs> but it's not convenient. Well, right. So it's, it's <laughs> it. All right. Again, this is what I mean by it's about perspective. It's inconvenient that it's broken, but it's convenient that you don't have to touch it to fix it. Right. So Colo and Infrastructure as a Service kind of have a very similar level of convenience here, I think, anyway. And correct me if you think I'm wrong. Well, Colo, you still have the hardware control. So, I mean, right. if, if a hard drive goes bad in your server and it's in a Colo, you get in your car, you're driving. Yeah, so that's a little less convenient. Right, whereas <laughs> Infrastructure as a Service is... If the hard drive goes in your VM, yeah, you don't even know. It just yeah, right. If the underlying hardware itself. fails, it generally either self heals or there's a brief outage and it comes back. Right. Um, so yeah, but from a like physical intervention, no, I guess physical. No, never mind. I'm I'm killing my own point here. <laughs> uh, so software as a service, we'll just move on. Software as a service um, can be very convenient from the I don't have to configure or secure or uh, install or operate this thing. All I have to do is log in and use it. But the loss of that low-level control can be inconvenient when you run into something that's not working the way you want it to, right? Yeah, you, you should have you called this responsibility. Maybe. Maybe responsibility. That's That, that could be the, the points I'm hitting here. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, it, it can be inconvenient in the fact that you, you don't have the control to, to make changes where you may want to, you know, if you want right. that application to work differently in a way that's not an option that's configurable, then you're stuck. You don't really, uh, you can't change it, but it's ridiculously convenient for the fact that you just kind of log in and it works if you're working within the box they've defined. Right. Now, uh, the next point that I have here is really sort of what did it for for me when I was running things at home. And this is like the passion versus um, sort of thrill or excitement that you get out of actually running your own services. <clears throat> and this is a thing that's going to be different for everybody, right? Because uh, personally, I, I had a certain amount of pride uh, associated with running services in my basement 
that were pretty darn reliable, right? Yep. And that's because I like that kind of thing, right? So um, running it out of your home, if you're passionate about either doing it yourself or the privacy level or uh, just the, f- the sheer fact that you have the skill to be able to do it, maybe it's a bragging rights thing, whatever, it can certainly be a thrill to say, I run that thing at home and it works just as well and just as reliably as the big, big providers, right? That can also get expensive. And we didn't touch expense in all this. Maybe we'll just have to wing that one. I didn't make a, a bullet point for that. Uh, but expense is, is a big deal. Um, with a colo, uh, you really get a similar feeling, right? The only difference is that you're not responsible for power cooling and, like, say, backup power and whatnot. Um, but really, you're still running the application. Uh, you're still doing most of it yourself. Um, the thing you don't have to worry about anymore is, like, the physical layer. There's there's someone there running a professional data center or hopefully professional data center that's uh, that's keeping your machine up and running. Um, but that can that's still you're still running you know your applications your architecture um, and that's that's kind of fun right. With uh, with infrastructure as a service um, again you can still architect and design your own applications which is cool right. And this might be a great option for someone who doesn't want to have to deal with hardware but still wants to be able to really do it themselves, or mostly themselves, and not have to worry about having a rack in their basement and, you know, a, a, a natural gas power generator outside to keep their services up and running. Right? What, what if I want a natural gas power generator? Yeah, outside? I mean, maybe you do, and if you do, then great. <laughs> cool, because that, that was the plan. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I looked into it. when I had uh, When I had that web host running here, um, I looked into a natural gas power generator, and it's a couple grand, but it's not like tens of thousands. I think we were looking. Yeah, at, I can't. It was like three or four k, I, I think. I can't do natural gas here, but yeah, I mean, generator in general. Well, you could power um, it off of coal. That, you have all that coal left over, don't you? No, <laughs> no, that's gone. That's gone. Screw that. Although my buddy pointed out to me that my entire problem was that I was not using clean coal. If I would use clean coal. It wouldn't have been an issue. Clean coal would have been so much better. Yeah. Why didn't you think of that? I don't know. I don't know. So I just ripped it out and got rid of it. Hmm. Put something else in. That's good. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. made your made your kid shovel all the coal out. Yep. Did he like fall and slice his hand open or something? Yep. <laughs> this is what you get. Yep. <laughs> yep. Now now he lives in now he lives in West Virginia and, and, and teaches snowboarding on a mountain. I heard about that from your other son. Yeah. Who did not fall and cut himself because he was in Louisville at the time? Yes. Anyway, we're getting way off topic. That's <laughs> what I do. So, software as a service, um, I really couldn't find a way that this could possibly be exciting. Maybe that's just because of my perspective on things. But you're basically dealing with a can solution that somebody else wrote and somebody else manages. Yeah, Please. I think I don't think there's much excitement there to be there. I mean, it's yeah. like, yeah, I've got you're. Google you're, Docs. You're solving, you you're solving whatever problem you had. So maybe that's a sense of accomplishment, but you're doing it by just, by just forking money well, over to somebody I, else. Again, it, it, depends on, it depends on who you are. So like I want to run my own services, damn it, and I want right. to you know, do all that, that cool stuff. Whereas you know, my, I don't know, my, my father or my mother, my mother probably has no interest whatsoever in really caring other than she wants to push a button and get a document. 
Right. And then write it and to save it and not have to worry about it. Right. Right. And that's that's part of what drove me to not worry so much about running stuff in my house anymore because I was the only one that cared. Nobody else in the household cared that our documents on Nextcloud were hosted here in our basement and nobody else was able to get it get their hands on them. They just didn't care. They wanted it to work. And unfortunately, to get it to work to a level where they weren't like frustrated with it, Google Drive was the answer. <laughs> Nextcloud was just Fair never enough. quite there. Like it was okay. I was able to use it, but you know, the average folks who just want it to work always found the flaws in it. So just make it work. Just make it work. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Then we were, oh, uptime and on call. And this was really the big thing for me that just drove the whole thing home and the whole reason that I decided to, to move a bunch of my stuff uh, off-prem, not in my house anymore. Um, and that's because I was coming home from work at night and I was basically never off the job, right? So I would come home from a day of sysadmining and then you know, the Plex server was down or the Wi-Fi wasn't working right or name anything, right, that, that I was hosting here. The email server was acting funny, right? Why doesn't my mail come through? Someone sent me a message and it got blocked by your spam filter. And I was doing yep. it pretty much 24-7 because there was never a point other than when the family was asleep that there wasn't something that they depended on me to do. Um, so that's a bit tiring. Now... Uh, in the case of the, uh, the the gentleman who spoke at the Red Hat Users Group last night, uh, he's got like, I think he said about a dozen family members using this thing. It's not just his his household. It's like him and his brother and, and his brother's households. And they're all using this. And it's basically a privacy thing. They want to make sure that their data is where they can touch it and see it. They don't want it. What's he file. trying to hide? Right. I don't know. I mean, it. we were talking about this afterward. The The fellow was Asian. So I don't know if it was like a paranoia from Asian governments, like the Chinese government, that drove him to this, because they are kind of an evil entity when you th when you look at them, the Chinese government. I'm not touching any of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, just look at look like like being a citizen in China doesn't feel like it's a a very like happy. No, I know, thing, I know, right. I know. So that I don't know, I don't know if that's what drove it. The guy's doing some cool work, um, and it. <laughs> motivated me to speak about it but you know um anyway. i like having my stuff here too so you know yeah right i mean I some it. people are just a little paranoid when it comes to where their data is um i guess i kind of I mean, give up on this, that look at this massive bookcase and all the stuff i put up here just to throw everybody off about my entire life right okay that's all a sham is that it you don't even it like is. you don't even like the giants this isn't even my house it's not oh it's all a set <laughs> Yes. <laughs> ah, so if you're in a colo, um, some of that responsibility gets put onto the people who run the colo, you know, for actual like physical security and hardware and, and power and cooling, as we mentioned a few times already. Um, they may offer something like, um, well, I wrote backup here, not as backup like data backup, but backup like. I'm busy and there's no one else to help. Yes, some some colos <laughs> right. some colos will swap disks for you right. or or do right. basic hardware troubleshooting that sort of stuff. So um, infrastructure as a service, uh, it's basically you're responsible for what's on your VM, 
like the management of your VM and down, or I should say yep. up, further up the stack, not down the stack. Everything beneath that is completely out of your hands. You couldn't touch it if you wanted to. And that's all 100%, you know, my EC2 instances aren't running properly uh, because of some huge outage in EC2. I just have to wait for Amazon to fix it or I need to report it as a problem. My, all my all my VMs slowed down because of speculative execution. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and then of course, uh, software as a service. Uh, well, you you wrote the notes. You're screwed. Good luck. And that's a that's a good summary. <laughs> it's like yes. uh, it's like when you go to turn on the TV and the cable's out. All you can do is call the cable company and say, "Hey, my cable's out," and wait for them to send a truck out to yep. uh, to find the break in the line and fix it for you. Great, because you great have- example. Great example was yesterday. Yeah, I had, a, I, had a, I had a client who contacted me and said, uh, our drive file stream is telling me that I don't have permissions to that, to, to, to use it anymore. And I looked at it and I went, that's weird. So I went in and I looked and like, there's really, I mean, you're set up to use Google Drive. I don't see anything about um, being able to disable that. It turns out Google had an outage. And and the answer, very simply, was tough. You just kind of have to wait till That's, it's fixed. No, Google doesn't have outages. I I know, I know. It's never. Trooper Ish says the shelves are a great smokescreen. By the way, you you're missing the opportunity to click the thing with the show it on. All the right, screen. here we can we can do this now with Streamyard. Ta-da! Trooper Ish's uh, uh, comment shows up in the stream now. So now we can answer it as uh, it appeared. What? I what? want his avatar to be larger so that I can read what it says. Oh, it's a it's, it's a, a disc and a something. It's a disc and something chatting. Uh, anyway. Okay. So, all right, we're gonna take that back off now. Awesome features in this in this software as a service application that we're using. <laughs> okay. So the what? YouTube chat just vanished for me. So anyway. What? See, I told you, I awesome features. It's gone. It's I don't literally even, gone. I don't even. Yep, I have private chat left over, and that's it. Oh well, that's fun. Anyway, you don't moving you don't, right along. You don't have you don't have the comments tab anymore. <sighs> we can't we can't win. <laughs> we just can't we can't win. <laughs> so that's all the bullet points I had. Um, I figure we can simply chat a bit about uh, Colo versus whatever if you'd like. I know it's back. It came back. Oh good, it came back just like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Trooperish, you're you're internet famous now. Internet famous. Uh, yeah. So, um, I like coloing my stuff in my house right up until, um, right up right up until the power goes out, and then um, and then it works okay for a little while, except that my uh, my UPS doesn't seem to like my generator at the moment so mm, I've got I had work that, to do. I had that same problem so uh, Trooper says that it's a floppy diskette saying I'm your father and the USB stick saying no yes I <laughs> excellent if you're watching the stream you can see it highlighted okay that's enough of that fun little tools fun little toys so yes um, SAS, SAS services yes SAS they're services awesome. they're awesome so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that I dislike running my own services. Uh, the problem was simply a, a matter of time, right? 
Um, I'm the only person in my household, and I well, I guess you're not quite in the same boat because you have a son who's interested in this stuff. I don't know if he actually helps you with any of it or not, but not I'm the yet. only. I mean, I run the, blog for him. That's it. I'm the only one in the household who has real has really like any interest in running it here. And I'm the only one who has the skills to make it work. So if I'm, say I'm traveling and something goes down, um, the best I could expect to have my wife or even my kids do would be to go to the basement and hit the reset button, right? Because yeah. not that they wouldn't try, but they just don't have the skill set, right? So um, it really got to the point where it was almost like an extra level of stress. I don't know if you'd don't really feel that i, I guess it depends no, um, what you're running right yeah not usually i mean i have uh so i have email that runs for myself and some other people and um i mean I, i've got a plex server that runs internally um my my big thing i pay for um a commercial connection mm -hmm. for um at this point it's basically to run this um whereas if i didn't have the the commercial connection i could pay the same amount and get uh i believe 10 times the bandwidth um yeah yep. which would be is, nice that is the way they price it which would be nice but then i have to find some place to run all this right. and given what i'm running and the amount of storage i think it's actually cheaper for me to run it at home yeah so if i were to put this in like aws i might go broke yeah i mean that's that's another good point right so running what I ran as that side business, the web host, if I were to put all right. that into EC2 or something, uh, yeah, it would have been, it wouldn't have worked out financially because the amount we were charging customers versus the amount that we were going to have to pay Amazon to run the stuff there, uh, it wouldn't have been, we would have been in the negative every month. Um, right. Whereas running at home, um, we lost out on some of the benefits of redundancy. Because we didn't, I don't have a backup generator that could have powered it, or powered it. Uh, I don't have redundant internet feeds. I don't have any of the stuff that makes an enterprise data center. So we had outages, right? Luckily, the customers we had weren't like high dollar, like oh my god, my stuff's down, I'm losing, I'm bleeding money, sort of customers, and it wasn't a problem. Um, but yeah, so if I were to invest all of that into my home then it probably would have been cheaper to go to Amazon. In fact, it, it worked out cheaper to once I once I got rid of all of the the web host stuff and the, the business was closed up and we didn't have four servers in the basement anymore. <clears throat> and I just had my machine, my my web server essentially to deal with. Um, and I put that on DigitalOcean, it is considerably cheaper than it ever could have been here at home. Just the power to run that server uh, is more than what I'm paying to DigitalOcean, which is like 25 bucks a month. Right. Right. So, so yeah, that's um, cost-wise. Now, I don't, like I said, I, I haven't looked at colo prices recently. It could be that that was a very viable option. It could have been that uh -oh. I could have... You, you have a visitor. Turn around. Do I? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it so. could be that... Um, now she's making faces back there. She is. Live on YouTube. <laughs> Excellent. Anyway. Sounds like it's bedtime. Yeah, right. Not quite. Anyway. Um, 
where was I? Oh, cost-wise. All right, I haven't looked into colo prices lately. Um, if the the number that he threw around was correct, um, if if I could have condensed all my stuff into a single machine and put in a colo, uh, it might have been cheaper. If in the web host scenario, that is, uh, it certainly would have been cheaper than AWS. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if I could do colo for the same cost that I'm paying now for bandwidth and 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 hosting it here, maybe. But I, you know, if something happens, it's right here. I just walk over and take care of it. I want to say I was paying like seventy or eighty bucks just for the internet connection. I forget what speed package I was on. That you might be able to compare it to what you're paying, but it was. I know at one point it was sixty five or something. And then I think we upped it because it wasn't quite enough, but it never hit a hundred. It was never over a hundred. But again, it was for like five meg, not or fifty yeah, meg, maybe yeah, it's fifty I, meg. I just recently upgraded from twenty-five meg to hundred meg, and uh, my like my, my monthly cost went down. Hey, so that's I a win. Was really weird. That's a win. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for the other shooter drop because we both know the company, and I don't. Yeah, right. They people. don't. They don't like losing money. And I got a shiny new uh, um, cable modem because apparently the cable modem that I just got two years ago is like ancient and we don't use those anymore. And, you know, we got rid of those. And I'm like, they're brand new. Same thing happened to me when I switched from commercial to residential. I'm like, so I can use my old cable modem, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Well, when the installer showed up, he's like, no, you can't use that. Like, what do you mean I can't use that? You can't use that. It's a commercial modem. Yeah, what? Went, <laughs> like the commercial modem is somehow feature different than a normal cable modem. I I got this big, huge story about how they had to change cable modems because they've standardized on the cable modem that has the RJ11 port so that they can offer me phone service. And that's I have to have that one and we don't use any other ones anymore. Yeah. Um, this cable modem is is there's a glaring um, problem with it. It has no RJ11 port. <laughs> um, there's no backup battery. Um, nice. You know, nice. Uh, what is this thing? It's tech. It's in Technicolor though. It's yeah. The, my, the that's, is, that's the same modem I've got then. The modem is called a Technicolor. Technicolor. I never heard of the brand. When he, when he pulled it out, I'm like Technicolor. Really? It's called Technicolor. It's not like Motorola or some other trusted communication vendor. It's Technicolor. <laughs> it's probably the same modem that you have. So, yeah. you know, oh, no, it probably, probably is. I have a residential mode. I'm going to complain now. Mine also does not have an RJ11 port. No, no. Yeah, he he uh, he mentioned that. And I sort of laughed at him. Like, yeah, that's that's not a thing that's ever going to happen. Yeah, ever. So I, anyway. I wouldn't. Um. Right. So moving on. Yeah, moving on. So I I don't know if if I have any hard numbers for cost. I can say that hosting at home feels cheaper than just about every other option. But there's all kinds of things to take into consideration, like your own time, for example. Um, I don't know about you, but my hourly wage has gone up and up and up as I've gotten older and more uh, gray-bearded. So um, <laughs> when you try to take that into consideration, which is a hard thing to do, especially if it's a thing you enjoy, right? Yeah. Like, yep. I, don't, I don't consider the work I do on my Jeep, for example, a waste of money or a waste of my time because I enjoy doing it. Right. Right. So. Right. I mean, likewise, I, I'm in the same boat and, you know, I'm about to, you know, now that the shelves are done, um, I've got, you know, a couple more pieces that I want to put in behind where the, the computer setup is. 
so that I can move all of the, you know, the cable modem and the wireless and everything so that it's all hidden behind there and sort of, you know, lay out the desk and, and kind of streamline things here. So uh, it's fun and I enjoy it. So I'm going to continue doing it. Yeah. That's yeah, the plan seems, anyway. It seems like everybody is more interested in putting a, a dollar per hour on their time and completely removing enjoyment or emotion from any situation. Yeah, well, I enjoy this, so I will continue to do it. Now, I mean, there's other, there's hidden costs. There's heating and cooling. There's mm-hmm. power. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the space that it takes up, and and by that I mean, um, most people don't have these things sitting in their living room. Um, my wife would would probably kill me in my sleep. Uh, she would probably wouldn't wait for me to sleep. She'd probably just kill me. She would just kill you and sacrifice yep. you on top of the server. She'd probably kill me with the server. <laughs> Beat you with it. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, you know, these are my the the machine I was able to build is is pretty condensed and it's relatively quiet. Yeah. Um I mean, but it, I'll say that it's quieter than any machine I've ever I've ever run because if 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 any server I've ever run was sitting next to me right now, I I would have to mute every time I'm not speaking because it would just be a vacuum cleaner running next to me. So you've obviously cleaner. you've obviously built a yeah, you've obviously built a quiet machine. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to sit next sit it next to you and podcast. Right now, the sacrifice is that it's not the most powerful machine on the planet. Right. So, um, but, but that's it's okay my if need. it yeah. if it runs what you need. That's fine, right? Yep. Yep, and it, it'll last another couple of years, and then I will, you know, replace it with something that has a little bit more power and go from there. Maybe a little more um, fans, and then you'll have to move it, and it'll be in the living room, and your wife will kill you. Then you won't be able to podcast. Anymore. No, no, it'll never, it'll never leave my office. <laughs> if I keep, if I keep the office just unkempt enough that it bothers her, she doesn't come down to visit. <laughs> and that's a plus. <laughs> well, it means that I can put my stuff where I want in the right. way that I like it, she won't and I don't have and to clean. worry about. She won't come in and clean my room, which is great. She won't reorganize for you. Yep. She's got the whole rest of the house. She can do whatever she wants with. Yeah, this is literally the only room that I can put something down and it'll still be there when I come back. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, we've chatted quite a bit about Colo versus uh, Home versus Cloud. Um, I don't know. Anybody who's uh, who's still watching, if you have any questions, feel free to pop them into chat and we'll try to answer them. Um, I do say that there are times that I miss having the machines in my basement where I can just go tinker. But my plan is um, to finally finish that home lab, and then whenever I want to tinker on something, I can. Especially now that I'm not doing it all day, too, right? Now it will literally be a hobby. Yep, he moved all his stuff into the cloud to get rid of all that stuff in the basement so he could build a lab. Yeah, but I mean, this will be truly a lab i mean it'll be like a place to tinker on things it'll be like i want to build openstack today i'm going to build some openstack or you know whatever i want to try to build an openshift cluster spin that up and get bored with it and turn it off you know what i mean yep yep <laughs> so i mean we'll go, see go play, I with, do... uh, go play with core os and, and let me know how that works yeah. out for you i do have um i do still have a plex server running in my basement uh that's on a standalone machine if I get a lab that's actually built and uh, put together, then I may move that into that. 
uh, which will be one actual service I'll have to worry about that's still running. But the rest of them, everything else has been moved to DigitalOcean, everything else that I care about, or moved off to like providers, like my mail is now on a provider and stuff like that. Do, do yourself a favor, put Plex in a container. It is. It's in a container. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, I'll I, say, I never sorry. Have problems with it. I have Plex and a Minecraft server in a container. Each of them in containers on that one machine. It's actually you. You probably remember my old desktop, the old uh, yep. Precision desktop. That's what that's what it's running in. <laughs> I haven't run a Minecraft server in forever. Yeah, well, your your son outgrew it. Uh, yeah, but I may want to play. Yeah, it's, now, now I'm interested. It's fun. My my kids enjoy it. Um, well, I should say my older daughter. My younger daughter is not quite. She plays Minecraft a bit, but she doesn't really get it yet. She's only five. So. All right. Okay, we've beaten that horse to death. Yeah, I think we have. So now I need to find the transition music. Here it is. It's the button. That it's, one over it's, there. Yeah, it's push, the purple. Push that one. It's the purple button. Push the purple button. I'm already mostly out of beer, and I'm I'm regretting not bringing a second bottle back here. I'm I'm uh, I'm almost done with my uh, my rye. Yeah, it's eleven percent. I thought a second bottle would be a bad idea. I brought <laughs> for those of you who remember this from the earlier podcast. I brought the pewter mug back out. Ah, pewter mug. So it can slowly give me lead poisoning. <laughs> In the back of my head, that's why I stopped using it. Because, I like, pewter is lead, right? Pewter's based on lead. Is, is it? it? I don't know. I think it is. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Maybe that's what is, it. Hang on. What is... No, it's a gray alloy of tin and copper... Tin with copper and antimony. Oh, good. So I'll get... It used, it used to be tin and lead. Oh, okay. It's tin and copper now. So if it's old enough, it could have lead in it. But I don't. it's not that yeah. old. You might die, but we're not really sure. The beer tastes fine out of it, so we're good. So, um, right, I have show notes here that tell us what to do next. Announcements. We don't really have any. Oh, Whopper Summit. There's an... All right, so first we'll go through our Patreon update. Um, the usual patrons are still in effect. We've got our usual list here, 22532, who's our longest-running patron. Thank you very much for all of your patronage since literally the beginning of the podcast. Um, Andy, who's a fellow redheader. Charles, who you may remember, used to co-host and has excuses every time we want to do the show now. <laughs> yeah, he went out and got sick just because we're having a show tonight. He did. A sinus infection? I mean, come on. Who gets sinus infections? I don't know. Like everybody. Who has sinuses? That sinuses are, I didn't even think that's a thing. That's not a thing. No. <laughs> uh, Dementor, who you might remember as our as our guest from last time. We call them DM, but Dementor is his uh, full-on uh, whatever. He's Dementor. That would be a handle. Yeah, handle. That's the word I'm looking for. Jay, who I think is you. Um, John, Julius, and Uncle Mark, who's also a Red Hatter. Um, some of these other folks may be Red Hatters as well. I don't know. <laughs> this is the ones I remember. And we get a monthly uh, payout from Patreon of $48.12, which is literally like just enough to cover 
my DigitalOcean bill, which is where ironsystemin.com runs, and the uh, Libsyn hosting where all the episodes live. So that's awesome, and we like it. Um, obviously, more more would be better if we can get a little bit of extra like positive equity out of the podcast. Then that's cool. yeah. We're we're not rich yet, okay? We're so not rich yet. Why are we Come not? On. Listen, I haven't been able to quit my job and podcast full time yet. All so. I hear about all these podcast people that go out and they make millions and like they're celebrities and like we've been doing this for how many years have we been doing this now? What podcast, and we're not rich yet. What podcast people do you know that are rich and millionaires? Uh, there's a lot of podcasts that that people have made quite a lot of money on. I can there's think whole of whole podcast networks and yeah. Yeah, right. Maybe that's it. We need to get into a podcast network. Yes, the Iron Sysadmin, the Iron the Iron We could self network. We could self-host a podcast we'll network. It, we'll call it Iron Casting. Iron Cast Network. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Help us fund the Iron Cast Network so yes. we can be rich. Right. <laughs> Uh, so that's Patreon. Um, you got Shmookon. Yeah, Shmook, huh? Shmookon is next weekend. I hear um, you're doing so LobbyCon this they year. Are. Or did you I'm get a lobby ticket? Conning. Yeah, you didn't I'm lobbyconning unless I get a ticket, in which case I'll be Shmookoning. Um, I, of course, am going to do the uh, the hacker thing. I'm going to go. I'm going to LobbyCon and see if I can socially engineer my way into the couple of talks I have interest in. Good call. I already have a line on several tickets, so <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna give that a shot. Um, so yeah, do, so that'll be do, that should be fun. Do people resell those at face value, or is there is there a rule that says they have to, or do people upsell so, those? So much like um, uh, DerbyCon, the general rule is that unless the profit is going to a good cause. Um, meaning not your pocket, um, right. then tickets should be sold at face value or less. What if the good cause is my children's education fund? Uh, you are not a nonprofit uh, or a charity, <laughs> so no. No, it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> um, they don't seem to like. I, I think that basically they have the they have the 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 notice there that you know they reserve judgment. Blah 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 blah. Don't do this. Whatever. Um, I don't know that it's become an issue. I don't know that it was an issue with DerbyCon either, so I, I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I think I remember one or two cases where people were slapped down for trying to sell, trying to upsell DerbyCon tickets, but I don't know that it was ever a big problem. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'll get there and there'll be Schmookon scalpers standing out front. Totally. That would be interesting. So might be. Yeah, no, there's there's uh there's at least one person I know of who's going to be giving out um uh lobbycon upgrades. Um and lobbycon you know, upgrades, I have, huh? Yep. And I have a couple other people who uh don't use their are either leaving early or won't be using their badges for one reason or another on certain days. So I'm I'm not overly worried about it. I have plenty of things to do. Um and I'm told that you know, LobbyCon there is absolutely amazing anyway. So it's it sounds like there's a decent economy around hanging out at ShmooCon and trying to do interesting things. Yeah, I mean there was a DerbyCon too. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I knew a number of folks who would show up at DerbyCon and just hang out at the Hyatt and have a great time. So You can come LobbyCon at B Sides Delaware too. 
I mean, it's free to get in if you yeah, want to lobby. But you could hang out your... in the lobby if you'd want to, you yeah. know, instead. <laughs> All so, right. Uh, so that's that's next weekend. And then um, uh, in March, um, the dates escape me. I'll look at the thing. March 27th to the 29th is Whopper Summit, which is the uh, more of the hardware side of things. And yeah. um, oh, uh, if you go to the Oh, where is it? It's somebody posts. I think Whopper Summit's Twitter posted it. They've got some crazy cool people coming to speak this year. That's pretty um, awesome. And the this year's badge looks amazing. I can't wait to get my hands on it. So uh, it's definitely worth something worth looking into to go. And it's in Philly. Um, it's the, the end of March. Uh, it's it is a fun fun time. And uh, DefCon six one zero is coming up too, huh? Um, what is that? Two weeks? Yeah, I'm just filling it in the notes right now because I forgot all about it. Uh, yeah, February fifth, first, first Wednesday. Feb- yep, February first Wednesday 5th of the month should be the DefCon six one zero meetup. Um, I wonder if they're going to drag the ATM out of the attic again because I I missed that that uh, that meetup and I really regretted it. You know. Yep. So do I. So have I. So if if anyone's unaware, DEFCON 610 meets uh, roughly, well, pretty regularly. I shouldn't say roughly. They're a lot more reliable than Iron Sysadmin. Um, We meet every Wednesday, or not every Wednesday, every first Wednesday of every month, um, with the exception of January this year, because it was New Year's Day, I think. (laughs) So we moved it to the week after. Um, I I don't know why. But generally speaking, first Wednesday of every month at Two Rivers Brewing in Easton, Pennsylvania, you can hang out with a bunch of hackers. We had a record turnout in January. There must have been 45 people there. Well, that, that number keeps getting bigger every time somebody tells a story. There must have been yeah. 48 people there. No. <laughs> there it must was, have been 53 people there. No, there, it, was it was somewhere between 30 and 40. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite a few people. The uh, The biggest turnout I've ever seen. Yep. For uh, for one of our our meetups, and that's pretty cool. I just hope we don't outgrow um, Two Rivers because they are awesome hosts, and I don't want to yes. I don't want to leave there. <clears throat> so uh, good food and good beer, and we have they they let us uh, the the meetup the group managed to come into an ATM machine, um, like a full size ATM, like, like an actual. Know. ATM, one of those little stand-up ATMs you see like in gas stations and stuff that are all self-contained. They're not like they weigh a lot. They do weigh a lot, I'm sure. Um, And Two Rivers was kind enough to, I don't know if allow is the right word, but not say anything when we put it in their attic. Yes. (laughs) And uh, periodically they we bring it down for a meetup, and we've been hacking away at it. Or I I shouldn't say we because I missed that. That uh, uh, that meetup, but uh, hopefully it happens again, and I can I can get my hands on that thing. Apparently they they yep. made quite a bit of progress on getting the thing opened up and uh, fiddling around with it, but I, I guess the touch screen doesn't work. Oh, and, I'm sure we'll fix that. And because the touch screen doesn't work, they couldn't get in get get administrative access to the thing. They found whatever the default password was for administrative access to this ATM, but they couldn't enter it because the touch screen didn't work or the the, the keypad didn't work. I forget what it was. So yeah, we'll we'll fix that. No the next problem. thing is to try to figure that out. And once that's figured out and we get the the pad to work, we can actually try to 
hack the thing, <laughs> which will be pretty cool. I can't wait till we get our custom firmware on it. We put it outside of tours. I mean, totally. I think we need to get like DefCon six one zero bucks and put it in the in the cash tray <laughs> and actually have it spit out money. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Oh boy! I mean, all um, you would all you would really need is paper the size of actual dollars, right? And then you can put whatever you want on it, and then you could have it spit yeah. out those. I would think. Yeah, that'd be pretty so. cool. So I hope that happens. I really hope that happens. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious what if any um, conferences, meetups, trainings, etc. That our our listeners go to. So post that somewhere, and then tell us where it is. Uh, also, if you're in the New York area, um, I mentioned that I was at the Red Hat Users Group last night. Uh, we meet monthly, and that's literally at the Red Hat office um, in, I guess it's in Manhattan. It's it's near the World Trade Center, right? So I, I don't know New York all that well. At, at the, that's the Red Hat Users Group. That's the rug, right? Yep. The rug. <laughs> the rug. By, uh, by World Trade. Where? What? Um, do you know what street? What building? I could get you the address. I don't remember it off the top of my I'm, head. I'm just curious because I, I used to work down there. So, so yeah, no. So you'll probably recognize there's a landmark in front of the building. It's a red cube. Oh, okay. We're in that building. Okay. So I don't know what building it is. Or like I said, I don't know New York that well. I'm not a city person, um, as you know. <laughs> well, maybe I will uh, saunter on down with you next next month. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you're if you're in or near New York, you what generally what we'll do. I don't know if I'll be there next month, but um, some of us will go to New York and just work in the Red Hat office for that day, and then we'll stay for the rug. And usually, we get beer and food, and people get to drink and uh, and have fun learning about something Red Hat related. And then uh, you know, we just have a generally good time. But yeah, and then drive three hours to get home. Well, right. Um, <laughs> It is it is listed on Meetup the same way that DefCon 610 is. So if you go look for the Red Hat Users Group in New York, it's like NY Rug or something. I forget the name of it. If I can find the link for it, I will post it in the show notes, or maybe we'll share it next time around. Um, but yeah, it's a fun time. And I think that's all the announcements, unless you have something else to add. Uh, no. Oh, good. Just adding the rug to the uh, the notes here. Maybe I'll ping Mark and see if he can get me the link. Yeah, uh, Meetup's site is sucky. Yeah, I had trouble finding it, to believe it or not. All right, I have yep. pinged him on Slack. We will see if he gets back to us before the end of the show. Still can't find it. All right, give up. Okay. Yeah, I had trouble finding News. it. Transition. Press no, the we've got. Button. We actually uh, have. We actually have reviews and feedback. What? Weird, right? Yes. So uh, Dementor uh, got some feedback from somebody within the PowerShell on Linux community, and they said thanks to Dementor for being a positive spokesman for this open source community on the iron, on ironsystemin.com, they say, but of course they mean the Iron System in podcast. Uh, you expressed a love for all things open source while at the same time encouraging PowerShell on Linux. I really appreciate your attitude and positive voice. So obviously that's feedback for him, uh, but it was because he was on the show, and that that's pretty cool. 
Um, right. So we're taking we're going to take credit for it. We're going to take credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, we got a comment on the YouTube upload for that episode from a YouTube user named Mark K. Uh, great episode, interesting stuff about PowerShell, and he says H Hass H A S S dot I O is awesome. I don't remember talking about that. I don't know if he's just trying to call yeah, out Hass, 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 Hass No, no, Hass I O is the uh, automation. Ah, okay. So we did chat about that. Good. Yeah, Google even turned it into a, a link. It did sort of. indeed. It did and indeed. Takes you. What did you do? What did you click I the link and it goes to YouTube? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't do anything. <laughs> it does go to YouTube. We're going to just remove that link. No more. Yeah, yeah, I would do that. <laughs> okay, between that and the the absolute I don't know the 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 cesspool of advertising you sent me down before. That wasn't my fault. My ad blocker saved me from it. It's only because you didn't okay, have an ad so, blogger. Right. So so before like we might as well put this out there. The two of us have ad blockers. In our browsers, I, I was I, I my I had started a, a a pristine browser to try to fix other stuff and discovered this. If if we put a link out there and you end up in some cesspool of what did I where did I end up? Oh, I ended up in like some adult site. Yeah, like, you oh, ended up with like insanity. some some hentai site. And, we yeah. we apologize in advance. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I was we, thoroughly we pro- confused. We protect our browsers, so we may not know that it happens. <laughs> yeah, some uh, mashup. Is that what it was? It was uh, mash viral or something. Yeah, some some site like that. And it he, was the, had- the first news article we covered. There was a different link that we've switched to ZDNet, and we'll cover that in a minute. But um, it was- I I ended up like I had opened up all the all the tabs. And I'm going through and I'm like, all right, I got to go over through and read the news. And the first thing I click on, it's like some crazy anti sex thing. And I'm like, I want to wow, say where this link come from. I want to say so what, what I do is between shows, like in the two weeks between shows, when I run across news articles that I think would be good for the show, I save them in pocket. I don't know if you use pocket or not. Um, I want to say that when I was logged into pocket earlier today, pulling news articles back out to put into the show notes. Pocket recommended to me that link, the one about about the Rel 8.2 beta, uh, the one that I originally good. had in the show notes, which is kind of scary. Like when it came from yeah. Pocket, I thought, oh well, Pocket is run by Mozilla; it's probably safe. It, um, no, it had re- <laughs> it wasn't. It had, <laughs> it had redirected. So you know how if you open a link and it redirects you to a new site, when you hit back, you end up on the redirect. Yeah. It had redirected me well over 100 times. Holy so crap. I was 100 deep before I ended up on whatever crazy site I was on. Yeah, so... And I was trying to figure out like how I got there, and I kept backing up and backing up and backing up, and then I found the page, opened it again, and ended up on a sports betting site. So, yeah, so by sheer luck, because Jason had trouble with audio in uh in StreamYard, which is what we're using to stream this today in firefox and tried to open it in a clean profile with no with no add-ons enabled um we found this <laughs> otherwise it would have been in the show notes <laughs> yeah and we're, uh, we're sorry if that ever happens <laughs> yeah get, get used what what is the i can't even remember the name of the the plugin is for I use I use UBlock Origin. I don't know U-block, which one you yeah. use, but UBlock get, is get you a copy of UBlock Origin, install that, and you yeah. won't see this crap. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, all right. So the only thing I had for chat, which I wanted to to cover, only because it's it's going to 
lead to an upcoming thing that I want to talk about quick is uh, I had another article published on Enable, on Enable Sysadmin about basically my journey from when I was a punk high schooler who was interested in Linux to um, to like tech support to systems administration to Red Hat, right? Um, while I was writing the article, I took this picture of my Red Hat 5.0 disks, which are the ones that I bought in 1998 that really started all of this, along with my Red Hat Fedora, right? And I thought the, the picture was just really cool because it showed the whole journey, right? At least to anyone who knows what they're looking at. Um, and it gave me this crazy idea because I had dug out these disks. I have decided that sometime soon, maybe even this weekend, I'm going to live stream an attempt to install Red Hat 5.0 from 1997, December of 1997, in a VM. <laughs> and I'm going to live stream it on this channel, on the Iron System channel. So if, if you want to see me do that, uh, let me know, because there's a couple people that say, like, yeah, I want to see this happen. Um, I'm, 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 I'm going to give myself a task, like try to run a web server on it or something. So it's not just like install it and call it done. It's going to be like install it and try to remember how to configure Apache or something. Um, so that's the thing that's going to happen. And you should watch Iron Sysadmin's YouTube channel for when it's going to go live. Watch our Twitter uh, feed for an announcement as to when it's going to happen if you'd like to know about it beforehand. So I think it's going to be a fun time and I'm going to try to live stream it and um, I think it'll be cool. Slackware, is that your first one? That was that was the first issue I ever had. It yeah. was uh, Linux, Linux Slackware 3. So unfortunately, from, I don't have the picture on this laptop. I don't have the picture on this laptop or I would try to share it. Um, but yeah, it's literally like on this futon behind me, I laid down a blanket and I put my fedora behind the the discs and i i thought it, i thought it came out to be a pretty cool picture but uh the link to the article is in there the picture's in the article so if you want to go see it go check it out yeah uh october 1995 this came out apparently wow it's so big it's on two cds yeah two red hat 5.0 was on two cds however i ripped them to isos today in preparation for this whole uh craziness and um they're only like 330 meg each which is like, well, why? Why did they not just put it on one disc? Because CD-ROMs are smaller back then. They were 640. <laughs> well, I guess 330 and 330 is more than 640. So now I see why. Yeah. They, they must have just cut it in half and put it on the two discs. I don't know. Anyway, it's also got an applications disc, which I'm going to have to look at and see what kind of ancient applications are on that. <laughs> All right, and I think that's it. Unless you had anything you wanted to chat about, should we move on into the news? You've been begging yeah, to let's hit move the on. button. All right, we're gonna go. I don't know. I, I I keep forgetting where we push the button. Do you remember the color of the button? Because I said it before. It's purple. It's purple, purple button. All right, so our first item of news for tonight, which will not take you to an adult anime site or a trading site or any kind of malware because we switched the link. <laughs> it does is, have ads all over the place. Well, on it's it. from ZDNet. Of course, it's covered in ads. Um, it's from ZDNet, and Red Hat Enterprise Linux 8.2 beta is on its way, or actually it is uh, released to folks who who are able to get a hold of Red Hat betas. Um 
I don't know exactly who's who it's available to. It may be available to any Red Hat subscriber. I'm not certain. I don't know if the uh, the article goes into this. I'm trying to remember, the betas used to be available to any any of the uh, subscribers. Right. So um, I think on an already released version of Linux, an already released version of RHEL, the um, my phone is now making noise. The um, hang on, let me silence this. We must have ended the. Uh, hour and a half or two hours that I have set in my calendar for shut up and let me podcast. Anyway, um, I believe on a new release, like so when RHEL 7 was released, but RHEL 8 was still in beta, um, you had to apply to be in the beta program. It wasn't just released to all subscribers until it was in public beta. With uh, with betas within the, sh the current stream, it could be that they're released um, you know, to any subscriber. I don't know. According to this, it says, want to check it out? You can get early access via your subscription through the Red Hat customer portal or sign up for a free Red Hat developer subscription. You'll be glad you did. Holy crap. So there you ZD, go. ZDNet is mentioning Kristen, Christian Labish. He's one of the Red Hat accelerators. You're just jealous it wasn't you. I didn't realize that. I'm going to have to go <laughs> ping him in the Red Hat accelerators now. Let's see. So rel 8.2 has PCP in it. And collection agents for Microsoft SQL Server. And oh, the eBPF stuff. So have you have you looked at any of that? The eBPF stuff? It's pretty slick. Oh, that, that's the uh, the Berkeley packet filter? Yeah. That lets you like yeah. like interrupt kernel processes and whatnot. Yep. Yeah. I, yep. I Literally, I just found out about it last night at the rug. Um, there was a there was a guy, uh, an actual Red Hat SA was there talking about the Rail 8.2 stuff, and uh, he mentioned it. Um, it sounds neat. It's like a good debugging tool or a good. Um, what did he say? There was someone who was using something like it for. I don't remember the use case now. Well, at any rate, it does sound neat. Um, there's also a RHEL 6 to 8 upgrade tool now, which is well, kind of insane. Great tool. Yeah, so well, uh, I mean, Red Hat is very proud of the fact, and I'm, I'm going to try not to sound like I'm like making fun of this, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's a great idea. I understand the use case. RHEL is, or Red Hat is very proud of the fact that Leap, L-E-A-P-P, which is an upgrade tool to go from RHEL right. 7 to RHEL 8, is a thing now with RHEL 8, right? They want people to be able to do in-place upgrades, and it has a snapshot capability in it that if the upgrade goes completely horrible, you can you can revert to the snapshot and roll back, right? which is cool, right? That is cool. Don't get me wrong. That's really, really neat. Um, I have told everybody that I can get to listen to me at Red Hat that this is not a use case that most people want because at least in my opinion right upgrading in place is just never a good idea do you think it's a good idea well i used to do it all the time but but i mean yeah, like I mean, enterprise class production servers would you do this i don't run enterprise class production servers the way i used to so um i would actually like at this point we're, we, I, we, I, whatever. Um, we're mostly 
containerized. So right. I don't even bother upgrading anymore. I just the, blow it away and build a new one. Right. So the world now is moving toward golden images and replaceable servers and uh, cattle, not pets, right? So right. why would I need to be able to do an in-place upgrade? Now, I understand there are, there are sectors, um, there are businesses that run like these crazy monolith applications and they're scared to upgrade. And I guess this is meant for those folks, right? Because migrating those monoliths is difficult. So maybe that's the use case. Um, in my experience, in-place upgrades generally do nothing but carry along a bunch of cruft and give you a poorly configured and poorly uh, uh, optimized server on the other end. Um, I'm not saying that I've tried Leap and that it's a bad product. Um, I'm saying that I, I disagree with the concept. There will, I think there's going to have to be a point where I give it a try and see how it really works. Maybe it's awesome. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't like the concept. And that's me speaking, not Red Hat me. That's me, just Nate. That's Nate saying <laughs> that the concept of in-place upgrades seems like a bad idea. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it depends. Um, for an enterprise OS, probably a bad idea. But I mean, there are instances where it's very hard to do a, like to be able to migrate it off and build a new box. And so, you know, it, there may be a use case for it out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I just, to me, major version upgrades are a chance to clean up. They're a chance to flatten the world and rebuild it from scratch. Because generally, that gives you a, a better, cleaner platform when you're done. Because chances are, like, between between RHEL releases, there's what, like four years? Six years? Depends on the release, right? I think it's been four right. years since RHEL 7 came out. Um. In that four years, you've probably learned things. You've probably changed the way you do things. You've probably changed your standards. You've, the security industry has moved ahead. Um, when you build a RHEL 8 box, you're going to build it differently than you built that RHEL 7 box. So right. build it to the current standards, migrate your application. The application is better for it, right? That's just my opinion. And I thought this, this news article was going to go quickly. <laughs> yeah, you did. So let's move on to the next one. So, uh, by the way, just one more thing. RHEL 6. Uh, end of life in November. So if you're running any RHEL 6, you need to move. At least to 7, yep. but I recommend moving to 8, especially with the RHEL 6 to 8 upgrade tool in, tool in RHEL 8.2. <laughs> moving right along. Moving right along. Into While you're upgrading things. Other interesting uh, releases. Uh, this one is something that Jason's been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, Fedora Core OS is finally out of preview and is uh, available for general use. So it's time for me to learn something new. Indeed. So Core OS. I had, uh, I had been using Fedora Atomic Host, which I thought was brilliant and loved it. So of and it's gone installed now. it. And they immediately killed it as soon as I installed it. Yeah, so, I don't I don't know what the story was with Atomic and why it went away. Well, because Red Hat bought CoreOS. So uh, I'm going to go ahead right, and apologize why? in advance they... when I install this and it gets canceled. I wonder if it had to do with the Docker thing, because Atomic was very Docker. Yeah, well, so is CoreOS. It's container Linux. Yeah, but uh, Red Hat's moving away from Docker to Podman. So maybe right, they it, couldn't it's do... Contain... Well, it's... it's No, it can, it can do Podman. I actually have Podman on my Atomic host. Okay. Um, So it's just a container Linux uh yeah 
they picked up CoreOS. CoreOS is more immutable than Atomic was, arguably. Okay. Um, which also means that there's a a a steeper learning curve, and I'm probably gonna bang my head on my desk a lot trying to get moved over to this. Yeah. I didn't um, but the I didn't security do much. On it is much higher. I didn't do much with Atomic, so maybe that was a good thing. <laughs> now I just have to learn core. I like um, Atomic, but you know, it is what it is. Well, maybe you'll like Core S more with time. I don't know. I, I found I, I did poke at Atomic a little bit and I found it was very limiting in the in the things that you could do, but that's probably just because I didn't know what I was doing. Well, that's, I was doing things wrong. That, it was you know I mean, I mean that's, it's intentionally limiting. Yeah, it's intentionally it's, limiting. It's meant to be and more you, like an appliance right, right. than a than a, a host OS. Um it's an and appliance if you think that runs Atomic, If you think Atomic was limiting, core is core worse. Is, sure. core is worse. Yeah. Like there's Core is, and and don't quote me on this, but from from what I've seen and from what I've heard, Core OS is basically a kernel, hmm. and you like if you want to run SSH, you have to install like you have to get the SSH module or container or whatever. Like there's no there's no shell, there's no That's interesting. Like these things don't exist. It it you install the OS and then when you start it boots and reads a yaml file to configure itself interesting and in most cases um you're running the core os off of a like a, a usb stick yeah i've i've done at least that much with core os i was i was looking at running openshift and openshift is now they recommend installing on core os because you know red hat yeah. core os um and yeah, I, I I had to go down the road of like, okay, now you need to write a configuration file and put it on an HTTP server so we can pull it in while we boot. I'm like, wait, what? I don't configure it? No, you just put the config here and it pulls it in and like on the fly reads it and configures the operating system. Which is kind of cool when you think about it. Unless somebody compromises where your XML files live. Yeah, so I mean my plan is to upgrade to CoreOS. Um, Podman is fine since I'm not in a cluster. I would like to do some Kubernetes stuff, so I'd like to, yeah. you know, but I, I don't know how viable it is to run a single node Kubernetes setup. I know Minikube exists, but yeah, most people don't recommend that. So. It's you really need more than I think it's like a minimum of three they want. Is yeah, and and I get it? it. I understand that I don't gain blah 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 blah. The and purpose of running mini of running Kubernetes on a single server is experience, not that I'm expecting yeah, to get yeah, some no. and boost with, out of it. With uh, with Shift, it's it's even worse. It's not just Kubernetes. You know the requirements of Kubernetes. There's like control right. nodes and like all kinds of stuff you need to think of on top of Kubernetes. It, it, I think it's like five servers or something is the minimum for Shift for OpenShift, uh, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, it comes with that nice web UI, so. All right, and let's see. In positive news, your company's making money now. Oh, well, right, yeah. This your parent company. This came out, like, just yesterday, I think. Yeah, that's what the article says anyway. Uh, so apparently IBM buying Red Hat was a good move for IBM because they're making money again. Uh, I guess after five quarters of decline, they moved up, what was it, like 0.1%? <laughs> Is that what the I think I read that somewhere in either this article or the other one. Um their their quarter closed this this quarter like point one percent uh positive 
or higher than it did right. last time. So it's an upward trend, which is not trend, but it's an upward point, which is a good thing. Um, so yeah, there's an article here from Seeking Alpha, and there's another one in the notes from the Motley Fool. Um, the Motley Fool. Yes, I'm trying. I was trying to find it in the notes here from the Motley Fool about how uh, buying Red Hat and apparently mainframes are a thing that that IBM does. Who knew? Um, have uh, have increased IBM's profitability. I love my AS400, and you can you can tear it out of my cold dead hands. Yeah, right. Good old AS400. <laughs> and there's like graphs and everything in this. Stuff. Financials are a thing that I I vaguely understand. More is better, less is worse. <laughs> if the, if <laughs> you look at the graph, <laughs> if you look at the graph and the little line is going up, that's good. Yes, right. So I mean, this line looks like very, very steady, and then horrible for a while. Then it jumps. So that must be a good yep. thing, right? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So Let's talk about cancer. From IBM to cancer. Yes. <laughs> Wait. I mean, some people equate those. Anyway, no, isn't open source a cancer? Isn't that what? Balmer said? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> yes, yes, so, it is. So I just saw, I, I watched a, a, a piece on this today. Didn't go into super detail, but as it turns out, um, the cure for cure, the cure for cancer, cure in quotes, of course, Yeah, uh, may have been inside our bodies the entire time. Yeah, this is actually really cool, and that's why I included it. Sometimes we talk about science and medical stuff, um, so our viewers will hopefully bear with us for a moment here. Cancer sucks. It flat out sucks, and it's touched probably everybody in this in the world at this point in some way. Either you know someone mm -hmm. who's died of cancer or has had cancer, or you yourself have been affected by cancer. It just flat out sucks, and it's a really hard thing to get rid of without poisoning ourselves which is essentially what chemotherapy is. It's poison. You're right. putting poison in your body to kill off cancer cells and hope that you kill the cancer cells faster than you kill your own good cells, right? Right. This research is apparently trying to turn T cells, which are what make up our immune system, uh, yep. into cancer-fighting agents, which is pretty cool. So basically, um, the way I understand it, and correct me if you understand this differently because I'm not a doctor— um, and I know neither are you, but you have a lot more exposure to this from that podcast you listen to. Um, apparently, <laughs> what these researchers are doing is they found a way to tell T cells basically how to identify and attack cancer cells. Did yeah. I get that right? Is yeah, that like a high so. level thing here? Yeah, kind of. It's like they there's there is a T cell that um, is capable of killing cancer cells, and they've figured out how to. Um, uh, basically um, collect those and then use them by and use them to uh, uh, inject into cancer patients and kill the cancer cells. Oh, okay. Then, so it's like supplementing. It's like putting in reserve yeah. troops. Right. So, and and the, 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 the key to this whole thing is because we have cancer drugs. We mm -hmm. have stuff that's not, that is not chemo that are cancer drugs that go after specific types of cancer. Yeah. They're incredibly expensive, and it only covers a couple of different cancers. Right. These things are almost universal. Yeah. Yeah, they list a number of different types of cancer these things attack. Was it towards um, the beginning here? I'm trying to find it. I read it before. Yeah. So uh, the this is a T-cell receptor that interacts with a molecule called MR1. 
which is basically in everything. Um, and it finds the MR1 in cancer cells and then just kills it. Basically, it pops the cancer cell, if you will. I mean, it, it causes... Um, yeah. Uh, there's a term for it. I can't remember. But it, it, it tells the cancer cell that it needs to commit suicide, and so it does. Interesting. Um, this is a this is a very common thing that happens inside your body every day. So there's yeah, a, right. It's how there's you a signal. It's how you right, fight off infection that, and whatnot, right? No, it's it's even even normal cells. Like there's a signal that goes to cells um, for a variety of different reasons um, that it that tells the cell it's you, you need to commit suicide now, and it just it just right like basically explodes. You don't want you don't want too many cells. All right, so right. here here's the list I was looking for. It says uh, the Cardiff team discovered the T cell and its receptor that could find and kill a wide range of cancerous cells in the lab, including lung, skin, blood, colon, breast, bone, prostate, ovarian, kidney, and cervical cancer cells. That covers a lot. Right. I mean, a lot. That's like most, I would say. <laughs> So that's kind of cool, and I hope it works out because cancer sucks. Yes, cancer does suck. Flat out sucks. So, so there's there's hope moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't want to sound too cynical, but I just I hope that there's a lot of people who believe that cancer research is stalled intentionally because chemotherapy is a thing that drug companies can make money on. I'm not saying that I support the, the, that I believe this is the case. All I'm saying is I hope they're wrong. Um, they're probably right on some level because yeah. I mean, if a company, if a company, and and I don't know if they are or not, but it's the only one that comes to mind. So, like, say Merck, yeah, has a cancer drug, um, you know, some chemotherapy or you know whatever, and it's working. Why should they spend money trying to find a new solution? Um, whereas well, that's the thing, this though, research, you could argue that it's this, not working. Well, because there are entirely this, too many people that go through chemotherapy and still die of cancer. Right. This research is coming out of academia. It's not yeah. coming from a, a, a big sure. company. So, but what academia lacks in a lot of cases is funding to make it a big thing. Right. Like they may be like, Hey, look at this really cool thing that I did. And then the drug companies, who ultimately are the people who are going to have to produce this kind of thing, could be like, nah, we're fine. We have chemo. Or worse, they buy it up and don't use it. Right. So, so again, I don't want to sound too cynical, but I really hope that this turns into something. I really do. Because, I mean, isn't this like the number one killer of people in the U.S. or in the world? Cancer? Uh, or is it still heart disease? It used to be heart disease. Uh, it's still heart disease. Yeah. Well, in the U.S. In the U.S. Uh, it says U.S. and worldwide as of July of 2019. Um, but cancer is number two. There you go. So if we can talk out number two, that's cool. I think that's cool. That's a step forward. Yep. Then we'll, have, then we'll have people jumping up and down about how this is a vaccine that causes autism. We can't do this. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or something else. Cancer causes autism. Cancer causes anyway. death, which is kind of worse than autism. I would I would say. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to generalize, but <laughs> generally, being alive sounds better than dead. All right, we're gonna move on from that dark subject 
to The Verge. Uh, and this is... I literally heard about this on the news this morning. I don't know how, how long this uh, this article is, or how long... Not article. How long this news is. Like, when it broke. Uh, but this, um, is, this is dated January 22nd. Yeah, so it's been going since 2018. Right, but I mean, like, this this recent revelation. And, okay, so... Oh, it was this, it was this morning. It, was it this morning? Because this is dated the 22nd. Uh, yeah, it might have been yesterday morning then. It was, okay. it was, it was, and then it was this morning, yesterday morning. So the the Verge, uh, UN calls for immediate investigation into Saudi role in Jeff Bezos' yep. hack. <laughs> so apparently in 2018, um, so Jeff Bezos, or uh, is it him specifically, or is it Amazon that owns the Washington Post? Right, the Washington Post. Yeah, I think it's Bezos himself. I don't want to get this stuff wrong because you know the eleven percent is starting to hit me. Yeah. Bezos owns both Amazon and the Washington Post, or yes, has okay. a controlling share of Amazon, and I believe outright owns the Washington Post. Okay, so the Washington Post has been a little critical of uh, what is it, um, Iran? No, Saudi. No, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, and uh, there's been some backlash over that. Um, there's other articles that talk about this, um, not covered tonight, but apparently, um, there is now a suspicion that, uh, in 2018, uh, Jeff Bezos was hit, his phone was hit by spyware that apparently came from a, what was it? Telegram message. Um, I thought it was telegram was the medium. I'm trying to WhatsApp. find here. WhatsApp. Similar from a WhatsApp message that apparently came from the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Now, did Jeff Bezos know it came from the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia? I don't know. But, um, yeah, apparently his phone was infected with uh, spyware of some sort. Right. So this started, this whole thing started, um, Washington Post is being very critical of Saudi Arabia. Um, then, allegedly, uh, they hacked into Bezos' phone, uh, tried to blackmail him into, like, you know, basically backing off from the coverage that the Washington Post was giving him. Bezos told them to, you know, go to hell. Yeah, piss off uh, on Rich. So, then, <laughs> so then, they, then they killed Khashoggi, the journalist. Oh, right, right. Forgot um, that. So was, then, was Khashoggi associated with the Washington was, Post? I, th I think he was a journalist for the Washington Post, yeah. I didn't know that piece. Yeah. Interesting. So so then suddenly private messages and photos from Bezos were leaked and and, you know, all sorts of stuff happened since then and bezos you know being a billionaire said um i'm gonna hire myself a private army of hackers to figure out what happened and they have been like digging into this ever since and they're they have determined um uh that it came from saudi arabia my understanding of this is that the evidence is damning on this and it's pretty much it came from saudi arabia um so uh, you know, at this point, you know, Neat. with all the reports and everything that has come out of it, the UN has enough information now that they've said, yeah, we should investigate this. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, Saudi Arabia is attacking an individual, albeit a very rich and powerful individual. Yeah. In the U.S. Pretty crazy stuff. Yep. So, uh, uh, personally, I, I don't have any problem with Saudi Arabia. You should not attack me. Please don't. Please don't attack me. I don't have the resources. You wouldn't care what you found on my phone. Pictures of my cat, dogs, kids. Otherwise, yeah, um, really, really kind of boring. So don't. I, 
I mean, attack me all you want. I happen to think that, you know, there's some crazy shit going on in Saudi Arabia that shouldn't be. And they, they're very backwards with uh, human abuses and, and everything else. So, so if, if ironsysadmin.com, uh, I'm going to say that ironsysadmin.com is not associated with Jason at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree with you, but um, I, it's, what can we do? What, what, what can what can you and I or the Iron System and Podcast do? If you guys want to throw a whole bunch of money into Patreon, we'll donate it to whatever we can do to help Saudi Arabia. How's that? Okay. I don't. I I have like no way that of knowing. I mean, what, it's not going to help us any. So. Yeah, I I don't know what how I would do that. But if all of a sudden piles of money show up in Patreon, I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway. All right. Talking about figuring things out, guess what Microsoft did? Yeah, this is also from The Verge, by the way. Uh, funny story, I was like, I was aware of the Jeff Bezos thing, and then I'm like looking around for news for the show tonight, and I find this thing on The Verge, and they mentioned the other article about Jeff Bezos, and I'm like, huh, we should talk about that too, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. continue. Um. I'm going to poke at Microsoft because I just, this is uh, like, Go unless right I misread it's, this article, this fun. is the most ridiculous thing. So, Microsoft has this new Android phone that they come out with, which folds. And by folds, I mean it has a hinge and two separate screens. Yes. Not yeah. The, it's it's not, not, not nonsense with, you know, plastic screens. Yeah. It's not like the, what was it? Samsung Fold? Is that what it's called? Samsung? Yeah. Whatever. Um, so, because it has two separate screens, it has, well, two screens. Yeah. And it, it it's an Android phone. Um, and apparently you can fold it so that it looks like a phone, I guess. Although this thing looks massive. It does look, uh, look Or large. you open it up and it's like tablet size. It looks folded. And, I, I don't see a picture of it folded, but looking at half of the screen in the picture, it looks okay, well, wider than a standard smartphone. That half of the screen is wide, is like as wide as that guy's hand. So, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> um, so this article goes on about how the plan for this is surprising realistic and like it's just it's all and it's just this whole like this is so great and wonderful and i have sort of i, I you know i haven't really spent a ton of time with this I mean, um, he, but they, the, they also talk about the like how they've released the development kit and how the development yeah, kit is but, so well put yeah. together and whatever yeah. like that's cool that's really Microsoft the development kits are generally well put together, so that doesn't surprise me so yeah. much. But they're, the big, the big reveal here is: Are you ready for this? Uh, like, sit down. Seriously, if you if you're like jogging or whatever, like take a break, sit down. <laughs> Apps open on a single screen. Wow! And you you can't open an app on both screens at the same time. No, it's no, not I mean, possible. In the in the imagery they show, or at least in these like mockups they had down toward the bottom, they have this mode that says extended canvas that has it yes, appears you have to, to span right. two screens. Yes, you have to. Uh, where is it? Um, there's a there was a place here where it told you this, but you have to tell it to go to double screen. Yeah. You cannot open an app and have it automatically use both screens. Now I'm looking. Scroll, scroll back up to the first image where it shows the thing unfolded and it's in the guy's hand. Yeah. How the hell do you use that keyboard? Uh, with your right hand and your right hand only. Exactly. 
exactly. <laughs> or with a stylus or something. There's no way yeah, you're going to uh, hold it in two hands and type like most people do on a smartphone. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no idea. Um, there's a video showing how windows move, I guess. That's awesome. Um, neat, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Like, Whatever, like so, I'm I mean, sure I, somebody will get use out of it. We've we've talked about the what well, was it is Samsung, right? The Samsung Galaxy Fold is that was that the other phone we were talking about? Oh, with the, the, with the actual folding screen yeah. that's never going to release. Uh, we've talked yeah, so much like, about that that I figured there's another folding phone on the market. We're going to have to talk about it too. Well, there's the Razer too. There's a Razer now. The Motorola Razer. You don't know about the Motorola Razer? The new Motorola Razer is a is a folding phone. I don't think I do. I thought we talked about it on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I also saw like an independent manufacturer uh, who was trying to make a folding phone. As a matter of fact, down down in the uh, article more, um, Motorola's foldable razor will launch on February 6th. Holy shit. There's a guy here with uh, Motorola Razor 2019 unboxing. 2019. Yeah, that, can't be, that can't be it unless it's like a, a pre-release. But it looks like a folding device. So this duo thing, crazy. It's like fifteen hundred dollars. I, I think I'll go buy myself a laptop. That's Thank well, you. the, the fifteen hundred is cheaper than the Samsung one. Okay, was it, was still, like, was it like eighteen hundred? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Look, right, I mean, we so. we said this when we talked about the, ga- the 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 Galaxy Edge. It's new technology. It's going to be expensive. It's going to promote innovation, and or it's going to fail one or the other, and then it's going to drop in price. Yep. Like, there there could be a day where all of us, like, I don't know if you remember, right? So, um, I don't know if you know this, but I, I recently, and you're going you're gonna to boo this. You're going to boo. I switched back. Of course you did. I'm back on an Android. This is uh-huh. a Pixel 4 XL. You and I had discussions, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, about how these XL phones are just too freaking large, and I'll never use one. Well, here I am with one, because they've become normal. This thing's enormous, right? I put it on a, on a belt clip, and it's like I have I have a shield on my belt. <laughs> mine's mine's good. You have uh, a is, what do you have? I just have an XS. Right. Normal. Normal. I mean, clearly it's bigger than what the phones used to be. But my, like I can't get away from that. I have no choice. Exactly. But it's not the XL. That's, that's what like, I mean. Bigger than my head. Like, do you you remember like the tiny little Droid Incredible that I had? Yeah. Right. And you had your iPhone three or four or whatever at the time, and they were about the same size. And we're like, these are good sized phones. I don't want anything enormous. Well, now here we are with like fucking tablets on our lap. Sorry, freaking tablets on our tablets. <laughs> Fablets. <laughs> anyway, like they're. Mark my words, if this succeeds, if the folding phone market succeeds and it doesn't fall on its face, there will be a day five, six years from now where we've all got folding phones and we won't know how we live without them. Well, but again, I have an iPhone XS because yeah. I, I tend to stay relatively up to date, right? I'm not going to get an 11. Yeah. I, I have no interest in it. Um, I have an XS because I had an 8. Actually, I, I would have had a 7, but I ended up with an 8. Yeah, for a variety of reasons, and my I needed a new phone, um, and I got the XS. But I have no interest in the XL. Like I won't go out and buy an XL phone because I think they're ridiculously large. Yeah, now large. I mean this this the is my phone. This is my when old... they become 
Sorry, this is my old right, Pixel. What, this is this yep. is the Pixel I had before the Pixel 4. And the, the 4 is like... <laughs> it's like enormous, right? And I have a case on it because they're freaking made of glass. I set it on my desk and it slides off. <laughs> Frictionless glass. It is. It's like... Uh, so like I have I have this notebook that I usually have sitting right here next to my desk. If I set it on the notebook and the notebook is not perfectly flat and I start typing or whatever, it will work its way off my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put a case on it. There was no we, choice. We will have folding phones. I know yeah. we will. Right. Right? Because it when it becomes ubiquitous, when it becomes the common phone, we, we, that's what everybody ends up getting like yeah. I, and i have like at that point you know the kinks have been worked out and whatever that's that's fine like obviously honestly like we've seen all of the sci-fi shows with their their you know they fold up the newspaper they roll up the newspaper or whatever and they pull yeah. it out it's like one sheet of plastic yeah and they just do everything on it like yeah. yes i want that that's not <laughs> that's not the motorola or the samsung like it, it's not what it is no so, but oh, I have no interest but it will be it will be. That's and when my it point. is, that'll be interesting. There will be a day when yes. when us making fun of the Samsung Galaxy Fold will turn into that piece of paper you fold up and stuff in your pocket and flop it out and that's your phone. Right. Right. We may not live to see it. We might. I mean with, with the thing with the way things are advancing, we might. Uh, they could I be just gonna, gonna live forever. It so. could, yeah, I know. You you kept telling me that, that <laughs> you've just chosen not to die. So we'll see how it right. works out for you. <laughs> Dying is so inconvenient. It is very inconvenient. It's, it's, it's almost as inconvenient as software as a service. <laughs> <laughs> well played. You know what else is inconvenient? Uh, Microsoft losing 20... Well, publicly exposing 250 million uh, conversations with support or with support and customers. <laughs> yes. This one's from the, the Hill. Um, Is, isn't the I, Hill a political page? Well, how did this end up I talking know, about technology? But I, I believe the uh, technical term for this is oops. Oops. Yeah. So apparently like December, what was it? 28th and 29th. Did I get the dates right? 30th and 31st. Um, 28th and 29th. Oh, here yep. it is. 28th, 29th. Um, like 250 million conversations that were recorded not like audio recorded but like chats chat sessions from yep. what i understand uh were accidentally exposed to the world from microsoft i i i would love to know more information about this yeah on what exactly happened because it's, it's one of those like um they were briefly exposed yeah before the vulnerability was patched yeah i read that that too and i'm like so from a place from a place like the hill do they know what they're saying well and and, but it was it was a vulnerability that they patched to fix this problem on only five servers what 250 million on uh, (laughs) on five servers that's 50 50 million per server like whatever i mean yeah yeah, i could you could put 50 million records on a server that's easy but what i don't this sounds like somebody opened the firewall or yeah right I, I they, they else this doesn't sound like a they say I mean they say well they fixed the vulnerability 
I think they're using the word vulnerability incorrectly here. We see vulnerability as a software glitch that has caused a yeah maybe a, a unexpected uh, behavior, and I think what they're saying is their servers were, were vulnerable to a thing, be, probably because of a misconfiguration. And by yeah. them fixing the vulnerability, it's they found that thing and fixed it. Like it's this isn't a software patch, although they do use words that make it sound <clears> like <throat> it's a software patch. But consider the source. The Hill is not a technology blog. It's not a like these aren't yeah. tech. No, people, no, no. I, right? I, I get so that. They, sounds, this could be a wording thing, or maybe it really is a software vulnerability. I don't know. But I read no. that and I thought that doesn't sound. I think they're using the wrong words. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Yep. So that <laughs> Princess Bride. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so uh, the company warned that if anybody, anyone with malicious intent, did gain access, the information could help them run scams on people. Um, so this reminds me, and I'll, I'll bring this, I put this on Twitter recently. Um, apparently, uh, and, and again, this was the end of 2019, November ish, uh, computer associates had a similar issue. So, well, I guess they had a problem. So somebody internal, somebody on their support team was selling the data from their support system. Oops. To to external parties and those now this is this is the story according to and, and i could pull up uh uh let me just google it it's there so the the story that's out there is that this person was selling the data to a third party and that third party was using it for scams however i have a client who actually fell foul of this they had uh computer associates antivirus or something on their computer um they were having they they had a problem with multiple um, multiple charges on their credit card or something. So they called and they're like, "We just need to fix this." Yeah. So they opened a ticket with Computer Associates, and apparently the the way that they did things at the time was um, you'd open the ticket with Computer Associates. They'd say, "Okay, cool, we've got you in the system. We'll have somebody call you back." Okay. So they hung up, and within she said within minutes. Somebody called back, identified themselves as from computer associates, asked if it was the, you know, made sure that they were talking to the right person, uh, explained to them what was in the ticketing system on what the problem was and said, okay, we're here to help you. So, of course, this person was like, oh, okay, cool. And we started going to the help. This must be the right people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can so, understand that. Um, right. So tech support said, well, we need to we need to see what's going on. So could you load up TeamViewer? Okay. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. So they they start up a team viewer but, session. So and that's the thing, though, right? Like, yep. That's not a, that's not an unreasonable request. A lot of support no. personnel well, do that exact right. same thing. Right. So Might see, not be they team started viewer, crawling. They started crawling through the system and they poked around at a couple things, and you know that the person that was dealing with this at the time was not a supercomputer savvy person. Yeah. Um, and was just sort of following along, and they were they were doing whatever, and then you know they were the 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 support people. Um, said, hey, uh, we we uh, we see the problem. Uh, we can refund this for you. Um, all we need you to do is log into your bank account so that we can refund the money directly into your bank account. Wow. And this person said, huh, that seems that weird. Weird. <laughs> um, now, good call. This this was a this was a couple. Um, the this side of the couple was not the uh, not the person who dealt with the bank account and all that. So they got their other half and said, hey. Uh, 
you know, can you log in and whatever? And that other half happened to be a little bit more savvy and said, that doesn't sound right. Like, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And called back computer associates and said, like they said, you know, they got off the phone with whoever that person was, called back computer associates and said, what the hell? And computer associates said, oh, um, yeah, we've had a we've had a breach. Oops. That doesn't sound like a breach. That sounds like real time. Well, yes. Well, a breach. Yes, they've had it. They had a an, like according to the articles that I've seen, they're claiming that it was just third party data that was being sold. No, but according to this particular, you know, uh, yeah, and I have no reason to not believe this person. This was real time. That's not data exfil. Oh. That's persistence. Yeah. That's persistence. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, it happens. So, um, but yeah, uh, Microsoft lost some, lost some data and, uh, they fixed it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much they lost. Like, I don't know how much of it actually got pulled down. This article is just basically saying that it was available and now it's not anymore. So what happened to it? We don't know, but I'm sure we'll find out eventually. <laughs> well, 240 million of those conversations were your product sucks. No, 240 million of those conversations were, have you tried rebooting it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that fixed it. Bye. <laughs> so, so speaking of uh, bad guys scary, and yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah so um, I don't know. I didn't read this that deeply because it really just sounds like the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, this is from Yahoo Finance. Again, I don't know why finance is talking about security. Well, because because this particular thing, phishing, is huge yeah. in the finance sector. So Proofpoint's State of the Fish report stresses the need for user training and email reporting as targeted attacks climb. Surprise. <laughs> Users need to be trained to identify fish better. Um I, I don't know. This is such a difficult thing. It's such a hard thing to uh, to train users, right? You yeah. Get where, you get where yeah. I'm going here? Like, it's... I, I get user awareness training, and I get that it's important, and I get that the first line of defense is the person looking at their inbox. Um, but I can spot a fish pretty quickly from experience, not from right. sitting through user awareness training. Right. Um, and there are some that catch me. Like, I've never actually been literally caught, but I've had some that have been really convincing. And yes. oh, yeah. yeah. I am just this level of paranoid when I receive an email um, that I catch them, and I haven't been haven't fall, haven't fell, fallen prey to one yet. Uh, and I say yet because I don't think I'm immune, <laughs> right? No, no. And I managed email... And spam and fish filtering for most of my career. Uh, that's why I'm so paranoid. What 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 possible chance does the average user have? Uh, so if you talk to pen testers, they will tell you almost across the board. If they are targeting you and they have enough information, you will fall prey. End of story. There's no question. Yeah, they will get you with a fish every right. single time. There's right. no way to. Um, we get fished at work. They they get we go through the security awareness training and like like garbage. Um, not not to say that it's necessarily bad, but ours is bad. Um, <laughs> and then they, then they fish us every month. And it I like, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. I don't. 
So the, the multiple problems here. One, they send out a reminder. <laughs> reminder, you'll be fished next week. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we're starting the fishing campaign again. Make sure you don't click on anything. Oh, thanks. The fish that seems are, like an odd, uh, odd procedure. The fish, the fish that they're sending are so unbelievable. Like, they're, they're I don't understand how anybody could, uh, we, and we have people that fall prey to them anyway, but well, I don't understand wait, so how anybody could fall prey to this. That's thing. the point, though. People have fallen prey to it. Right, which means that it's not working. This stuff is right. like, you can put right on the top of it, I'm a fish, and people click on it anyway. Right, so one side of that argument is that means that the fact that they're catching people means that it could actually be effective, regardless of the fact that it's ridiculous. Right? If they catch those people, and those people learn something from it, maybe they're not, but if they do, just, just say they do, then that's a success. Eh, maybe. Um, I solved it by just looking for the header that says I'm a fish, and I have a rule in my mail now <laughs> that just grabs that and throws it into a, a, a <laughs> into a folder. That's I nice. haven't seen a fish in six months. So. That's nice. <laughs> Good job. But I, like, I'm not going to waste my time with this. Yeah. Oh, you should be reporting these. No, yeah, we... Um, I don't know that we go through this sort of thing at Red Hat. I haven't been there long enough to know. I can say that in the 90 days I've been there, it hasn't been a thing. No. No, I, do, I, I, think, I think there's better ways to handle this stuff. Yeah, we do receive fish from time to time, but I don't think that it's targeted. Or not targeted. I don't think that it's um, a pen tester. I don't think it's someone trying to fish us. Uh, for education pur purposes, I think it's literally people trying to fish us because we're a big yeah. fish. <laughs> but yeah, they they don't usually try to fish the Tams, so I'm <laughs> I feel like I'm safe. <laughs> All right, one more article. Yeah, good because I'm getting tired. This is a good one. <laughs> um, oh right, so yeah, Washington State apparently is looking at voting by smartphone, and and I know I know we said. You know, smartphone voting is stupid, um, but it's it's a thing. And there was a TED talk about voting that I watched last week. Um, can I find it rapidly? Uh, I forget which country it is, but they have been voting electronic voting for years yeah with no problems um now they basically blew up their whole country apparently and started from scratch but huh. you know um i don't remember which one it was uh but yeah it was it was uh it was definitely an interesting eye-opening talk so it's it's possible to do but uh yeah so um this article this article's article is from Voy or from Pfft. Let me drink some more and try that again. This article is from Vice. <laughs> it's their motherboard column. Um ignoring security experts Washington state eyes voting by smartphone. And I think the the summary at the very top even before the picture really summarizes it well. Security experts still widely agree that online voting can't be adequately secured. 
uh, or transparently audited, yet the siren song of easier voting appears irresistible. And this is the thing that I see dragging humanity down at every freaking turn. It'll be easier. Let's do it that way. Right. Right. Okay. So I found I found the TED talk. It's Estonia. Okay. Um, and it's more than just voting. Um, they basically have digitized like as much as they can. So yeah. Uh, what what what? Uh, the one interesting thing I found in the in the talk. Um, and I've heard this about other countries as well. This not electronically. Um, they have to pay taxes every year because you know they live in a country. Um, Weird. and this the lady that was presenting said she pulls out her phone. She clicks a button. It shows her her entire tax return that's already been pre-filled out for her. She flips through it and clicks OK. And she's done. She says this takes less than two minutes. Are you saying done. Are you saying that a government that already has information about our salaries and the amount of money that we've made and how much they expect that we should be paying should be able to tell us how much we owe at the end of the year? Right. Right. And we know that they can that's, because that's the IRS can audit you. That's crazy talk. Well, if they didn't have that information, then whatever I put on my tax return is now the truth. And yeah, I right. Exactly. And I'd never get caught. Exactly. There, anyway, there's a there's um, a there's a meme going around social media to this effect that basically says, like, you know, you have to pay taxes because you live in our country. OK, how much do I owe? You have to figure that out. Uh, right. how, how do I figure it out? Well, you fill out this form. Uh, how much how much do I have to pay? Well, if you figure it out wrong, um, we'll let you know. So you already know what I have to pay. What happens if I submit the wrong amount? Oh, you'll go to prison. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you just yeah. tell me what so to pay? I, so I, I, that, that was a bit of a tangent from the original article. But the point of the Estonia yeah. thing is right, that right, right. they've they've like the government or, you know, the, the digital lifestyle that they have and the way that they've set things up with privacy integrated allows them to do things like voting electronically because all the data is there to identify that person. Right. And it becomes very difficult to trick that. Now, right. Estonia is, my understanding is a little bit smaller than the U S. Yeah. Um, and like I said, they, they, you know, they sort of, uh, I don't know the whole history of, of all what happened, but my understanding is that, you know, things were pretty bad and they kind of had to rebuild from scratch. Yeah. So that's not going to happen in the U S um anytime soon well maybe um at any rate um (laughs) smartphone voting is a thing that's going to happen and i think it's going to happen relatively soon but there's a lot of hurdles and yeah i think i think graphing that on top of our existing voting system is where the problem lies right well think about like i can steal your phone right now Right. Like we can they can clone chips left, right and sideways. Yeah. What what is identified? Like that's the whole piece of it is like, what is identifying you? How do we do this so that we can't clone somebody and steal their vote? Right. Or, you know, have a bunch of people voting that don't exist or, you know, whatever. But there's the other and then the, the complete other side of the argument, which is what if you don't have a smartphone? How do you vote? Yes, correct. You know, so or what if, if you, you don't have access to one? What if you can't afford one? What if you don't have cell service? You know, like whatever. Right. Um, because there are, believe it or not, still people that are like that that might want to vote. Right. Right. Um, so. I mean, it's yeah, it's apparently the, it's it's the same argument as it was described to me for um, requiring ID to vote. Right. Like there are people that don't have a driver's license, and 
they don't want a driver's license or they don't have a, a photo ID or whatever. And getting one is a pain in the ass. So requiring there's, there's people that, yeah, there's people like, that can't get like them because they requiring, can't get the forms. Requiring a photo ID to vote means that you're going to have people that can't vote. And those people are generally like people that don't, don't have a lot in life. Right. Like it just happens that that's, that those are the sort of people that, that may also be in some other way disadvantaged. Right. right. And removing their votes is a big deal because people like that should, they have a right to vote and they should be able to. Now, I mean, I don't know what side of that argument I fall on. I feel like having to identify who you are to vote, similar to in a smartphone situation, is a good thing. But I also don't want people to not be able to vote because they can't get a driver's license or because they can't get a photo ID. Right. right. So it's it's a hard problem to solve. But if, if, right. uh, if we're going to take our existing voting system... And simply the matter of, like, I want you to prove who you are before you can vote is a big problem. Um, certainly requiring or even promoting votes via a smartphone is going to be an even bigger problem. Because that, if you have people that can't do something as simple as get a photo ID, you're certainly going to have people that can't get their hands on a smartphone. Um, I, I get for, that it's a different diff problem. Like one's right, a financial problem and the other is a bureaucracy problem, right? Yeah, in, in most cases, yeah. Yeah. Like a financial yeah. problem and, and, is my smartphone costs eight hundred dollars. I get right. it. You don't have to spend eight hundred dollars on a smartphone, but um, you can buy a cheaper smartphone that isn't. But then you buy a cheaper smartphone that could be less secure because it's running Android six, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> because you paid for a, a cheap piece of crap. Or right. like, like Trooper one, says, Amish people voting. <laughs> right. What about the Amish? The other, one, the other one is you can't get a photo ID or, or you know, the, 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 the required document, like uh, an official license, you know, official driver's license for to prove who you are. And it's not it's not necessarily that you're illegal. Um, but there's there's a there's a whole host of reasons why you can't get the required paperwork to get that document. Yeah, no. Right. And yeah. And this I, I didn't understand the scope of this problem until our mutual friend Rich described it to me. You know, there's people that are like elderly that can't get out or there are people that, right. that like or wasn't it you that was saying your wife can't get her birth certificate? Yeah. Right. It's like that's one of the ways that they might verify who you are to get, say, a real right. ID. Right. And right. she needs to be really careful with that thing because if she loses it, she might not be able to get another one. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, these are like like legitimate edge cases that are hard to solve. Yep. Yep. So let me know when you solve those problems, and uh, I'll start voting on my phone because I don't feel um, like leaving the house. I'm going to tell you right now that I'm not working on those problems. Oh. Well. <laughs> I get no reason to. Bummer. Hey, guess what? <sighs> We're all out of news. Yeah. That means a lot that, of news tonight. That means that the show is over. But we're still right around the same time. It must have taken us less time to go through the main topic. Yeah, I, I'm out of I'm out of alcohol. I, I am as well. I'm sad. I actually had to start drinking the water. Water? You're gonna You're gonna pollute your alcohol stream. Yeah, you're right. Alright. So I guess that's it for tonight. Uh, right, so if you want to watch us live, as usual, you can find us uh, roughly 
the first or second and fourth Thursday of every month. Um, unless it's like a holiday or we have things going on or it's just really busy or we're tired or like, um, I don't know, tired. any any other reason that we might not put a show on. <laughs> we're pretty consistent, though. Yeah, I mean, the holiday season is always tough for us and we're just we're just over that now. So we should be able to uh, get back on our regular schedule. Um, Christmas and whatnot always just beats up our poor podcast. And Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving always seems to fall really close to our show, especially since we record on a Thursday, which is also Thanksgiving. Who designed this holiday anyway? It just interferes with us. Anyway, uh, as long as Jason doesn't rage quit because of my choice of streaming software, we're going to try to continue the live streams. Um, So you can find them on on YouTube.com slash Podcast. And um, you'll be able to uh, to watch us live like you are tonight, um, which has worked out relatively well once we got past the audio problems that Jason had. It's always you. Like you, you've had some of the strangest technological problems I have with no being idea. part of this show. I'm honestly any not of our hosts. doing anything spectacular. <laughs> uh, I would say you can join our Slack our Slack workspace, but. Uh, that's actually something else worth chatting about. The Slack has this like you, you can't just have an open invite on Slack, or at least not a permanent one. Um, we had had an open invite on Slack, and it expired. And what I can do is go make a new open invite, um, but apparently they last thirty days now, which is going to be a real pain in the butt. And I'm always going to forget to renew it. I'm just going to say that right now. I'm going to forget. Um, so I'm trying to evaluate what we want to do about that. Um, I've automated. I think I have seen services that do this, like their Slack joining services that simply solve this problem. Uh, so if anybody knows about one, let me know and I'll, I'll look into it. Uh, that's one solution. Another solution is to move to a different chat platform. And I looked briefly at Matrix. Um, John, the nice guy from uh, the Admin Admin podcast, and I were poking around at Matrix a bit because he's more familiar with it. And apparently we can set up a bridge between Matrix and Slack uh, so that we can transition from Slack to Matrix. Um, the nice thing about Matrix is that it's free and it does support uh, public access. So I don't know. We may do that. We may not. If anybody has any feelings about one or the other, or if you have a different suggestion, let me know. Maybe I'll just stand up an old uh, BBS and we can all chat through that. I don't know. Um, We'll just go back to IRC. How's that sound? Okay. We'll do IRC. We'll do an IRC server somewhere. So uh, I, I don't think that I would run my own Matrix server. I would probably just use the existing public ones and set up a community within Matrix, which looks like it has promise. Um, but I'm open to feedback. If anybody has any suggestions or any, uh, um, uh, well, suggestions, let me know, and we'll we'll go from there. Um, so yeah, that's how Slack is at the moment. But uh, if we uh, if we do reopen it to invites, it'll be at ironsystem.com forward slash Slack. Although right now it doesn't work. Uh, if you want to find us on the social medias, Iron Sysadmin is on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook.com slash ironsysadmin and Twitter.com slash ironsysadmin. And you can subscribe to us wherever you normally find podcasts. And as mentioned earlier, if you'd like to support us via Patreon or send us a boatload of money to send to Saudi Arabia, 
um, or not Saudi Arabia, but to benefit Saudi Arabia, uh, <laughs> go to patreon.com slash ironsysadmin and you can do so. Jason's looking at, looking at me like, what are you getting us into? <laughs> I'm not going to Saudi Arabia. Thank no, you. I'm not going there either. We can benefit them by just sending money there, can't we? Isn't that how this works? Like the naked uh, lady that's been benefited all the wildfires in... Uh, what are you doing? I found buttons. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're fading into a living room scene <laughs> with a piano. It's horrible. <laughs> what was that? It's, it has virtual backgrounds, but it's really bad. I guess. I guess. <laughs> anyway. uh, apparently, green screens are a brand new feature with, uh, with StreamYard, so I don't expect much out of them. <laughs> Zoom's works way better. I don't need a green screen. Zoom anyway. is much more mature, maybe. So, anyway, oh, you you put in the chat, didn't you? Keybase, we could do a Keybase group. How many of you are yes, on Keybase? Good. Want to do it that I'm way? I'm on Keybase. Keybase is awesome. I love Keybase. Keybase is cool. So, anyway, we're rambling at this point. So, yeah, send us money, and maybe we won't send it to Saudi Arabia. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah, something like that. But you can't promise to send it there and then not send it there. That's wrong. No, you're right. So, I mean, honestly, like, if... <laughs> I don't know that we could do that. I also don't know that anyone's going to send us a boatload of money. But if it happens, we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, folks. Before I get myself into trouble, maybe I already have, we're going to call it again. a night. Again? What do you mean again? <laughs> I don't know. It's not fun. Good night, folks. Night, all. So can you guess what color the outro button is? Purple. No. That's the transition button. Green. Yellow. Well, so the intro button is green. The transition button is purple. What color do you think the outro button is? Fuchsia. What button, what color represents stop or the end? Black. Red. It's red. (laughs) Damn it. Red. All right, folks, I mean it this time. Good night. Have a good one. <laughs> night. Uh, it's just a glass of... Oh, okay. Glass of rye. <laughs> I have been uh, wanting a, an old-fashioned for quite a while now and don't have any whiskey or, or uh, uh, bourbon. <laughs> yeah. So you're pretty much missing the main ingredient? Yeah. That would be why I haven't had an old-fashioned. I mean, I also don't have any cherries, so. All right, I'm going to mute you, mute you so I can record this, okay? You're already muted. It's fine. <laughs> I'll just unmute myself. <laughs>